When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like. Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, welcome to the Tapping Go. My name is Matt. My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals and we get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, welcome back. I know we've been away for a while, but due to a couple of things, we've had to delay this episode, but we're finally here. So I know it's been a few weeks, but we're finally going to get down to that Premiership final. I mean, what a game. I mean, one of the best I've seen in a while. And we're lucky to be joined by Harlequins member, Oscar Bid. Oscar, how are you, buddy? I'm all good, thank you. And and yourself, thanks for thanks for having me on here. Yeah, no, all good. I mean, we'll get on to that. I mean, it was an unbelievable game for you, I'm sure, an un- unbelievable few days. Yeah. Uh, and we've got you here. So I just want to talk to you about sort of your journey to rugby. So obviously, you've been involved with Quinns from the start. You're in the academy. So we're talking the process, how you first like got into the academy and sort of the route you've taken to get to where you are now. Yeah, so I was actually at, I was at Farnham Rugby Club. I, I was in a Hampshire school at Lord Wandsworth College. Um, and it was basically through one of my mate's dad's who was sort of, he was actually playing at Hazelmere, sort of through that Surrey club uh, route, sort of just got, got me a trial into the under-13s DPP and then just sort of went from there through the ranks and, yeah, pretty much through there, through the EPDG and then all the way up to under-18s and then um, getting signed and pretty much from there, yeah. Was rugby always sort of the, the goal, the dream, is it the passion that you've always had? Do you think you could always take it this far to get into the professional game? Um, t- To be honest, I just, I loved it from a young age, I think. Like uh, the reason I do it is I, I really enjoy it. I, I love playing rugby, and I think that that was always my main aim just just enjoy it. And then I think when I was like under 16s, I was at Cranley School, uh, which the, the rugby was really good there. Is when I began to take it a lot more seriously and, and seeing it as a potential career path and thinking like like I, I really want this. I mean, to, to be honest, I think I've, I've always wanted to, to be a rugby player and go and play professionally. I mean, that, that's always been a dream of mine so yeah I, I would say I've always sort of wanted to to be a rugby player how did sort of obviously a lot of our listeners are in the sort of 16 to 18 age bracket did Cranley go in a way of helping you sort of get towards this because obviously lots of public schools are built for rugby Wellington, Millfield, Sandbury etc they help push their boys forward but some sort of leave them what did Cranley do for you no uh, yeah no I mean absolutely Cranley were brilliant um from under 16s I, I sort of played with the first team 
uh, there and just th their, their relationship with Quinns. I mean, they'd had a lot of boys um, who had been signed to the senior academy and gone on to do do great things with Quinn. So their relationship was really good. And 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 there'd be like Quinn's coaches coming in, um, a guy called Mark Mapletoft, who, who was really great with Quinn's. He did a lot of kicking and, and passing and skill stuff with me. So I, I think one cranny's standard of rugby was like re really high up. Um, I mean, we had, we had a strong couple of years. Uh, the In fact, the year above me and year below me were all pretty strong. So we had a pretty successful se few seasons. But I definitely think they they aided me massively, and I wouldn't be where I'm now if it wasn't for Cranley. Just the the professionalism of everything, from the coaching to the SNC perspective. I mean, it was all really well gelled um, with Quinns. I think that sort of demonstrates. I mean, from my perspective, how the game's developing so much lower down. Obviously, it's our Premiership's and it's incredible. But schools are so much buying into this sort of idea that people need to be training and sort of physically fit from a young age and their own safety. And so I think that you can see how that affects the likes of you, Atkinson, Baxter, just name people who we've had on here, have all commented on sort of they've been ready to go into the professional game. They haven't felt like there's been too much for a bridge. Have you felt there was anything in particular that you had to work on massively and which has changed since leaving school? Um, I, I think the main thing is just the size element um, because I, well, I, I'm a centre. I, I played 10 at school sort of in my last year, but I'm, I was mainly a 12, 13, and now at Quinns, I'm mainly a 13. Obviously, I, I made my debut on the wing. I can play on the wing also, but I, I think it was just mainly the size thing, the just uh, the pure mass and the, the the strength and power element. I mean, a, a, everything else was... It, it wasn't similar. Obviously, it was a lot quicker at Quinns. Everyone was a lot more skillful. I had a much better skill set all round. So defensively, I had to step up massively. I think that was the biggest work on for me, just just going in and, and trying to read sort of people's bodies and, and stuff like that before they'd got the ball um, and things like that. But I think in general, the, the sort of S&C side was probably the biggest shock. Just looking at the, some of the size of the guys, I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Um, but, no, it, it, it's been awesome. And and learning off those guys just from watching has been, been, been brilliant. But I, I definitely think overall everything was a step up. But skill set-wise, a lot more people, will, everyone is very skillful. But it's what I needed to work on to sort of – try and stand out in that in that group um so yeah that's that's pretty much it i'd say in the transition from sort of being obviously full-time education with rugby obviously being a passion but obviously you still had studies how did it go from then suddenly it was rugby obviously i'm not sure a couple of other guys have talked about open university stuff but is rugby just sort of it must have taken over almost uh yeah no absolutely i mean um i i still through school applied for university and and still will plan to do some sort of university whether it's online university or deferred places or or, or whatever but I, I do like I, I remember obviously it was, a bit, it was a bit weird for sort of our year going in with COVID and everything but just the amount of time sort of we had in our hands was suddenly like oh because obviously f school's so full-on but gradually as the season gets going the rugby was really full-on and we'd sort of get back and because at our our stage or or of sort of our group of players is very much a development stage so it's not maintaining um so i think just physically it, it was so draining and i know a lot of the lads sort of in their third fourth years then look will have sort of look to do more more university stuff but it, it was definitely a bit of a shock particularly going into the full season but 
Um, but yeah, that, that that was pretty much it. I mean, I, I wouldn't have it any, any other way. And I, I guess just going from school to sort of straight into it with a weird COVID year, having loads more time on your hands and straight into it again was a bit, it was full on, but it was, it was good. It was good fun. Obviously, talking about you are still that 19, 20-year-old guy. Are you managing to find the balance of still having fun with your mates as well being a professional sportsman? Yeah, so that's something I probably found more difficult because um, going in with COVID, obviously, my, my A-levels finished really weirdly. So I never had an A-level summer mm. um, and, I, and I went straight into Quinn's and I was, I was head down. And, and to be honest, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I just wanted to go f- fly fully into the rugby, give it my best shot and um, put myself in the best chance of sort of playing. But it, it, to be honest, like it has been hard watching all my friends at university, uh, like Exeter with yourself and and, and Loughborough and everywhere, having, having a good time and having these great big holidays while I've sort of been in training. But, I mean, I only realised, well, obviously I realised why I do it, but I had to sacrifice a lot and I wouldn't change any of it given my debut and stuff. I think that was a real... It's, it's all worth it sort of thing but especially now i mean after my injury in in that in my debut game um my off season's looking very small i only get two weeks off instead of the five so i've been in rehabbing in and we'll be in tomorrow uh three times a week but but we'll get a two-week period off so hopefully i will enjoy that down in cornwall with some of the lads it should be good fun yeah well you talk about obviously the covid effects but hopefully as an Everything's opening up now. Fingers crossed that you'll be able to sort of try and find that balance even better. That now not in the bubble, you yeah. have time off. You talk about Cornwall. I'm down in Cornwall at the moment. I bumped into Will Stewart today. It's obviously really no way. So um, as in, like obviously the players are now hopefully having to find that balance. So fingers crossed that becomes easier. Obviously yeah. about the movement in the squad, but there any players in particular sort of helps you merge from the senior players? Obviously walking to camp, you're looking part of his back. You're looking at Mike Brown. Obviously he's now moved on. But was there anyone in particular who helped you out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone was very helpful. The ones that stand out for me uh, Joe Marchant being an outside centre, sort of going through my under-20s clips with me has been brilliant. And sort of just watching him, he's a world-class 13s, really helps. Likewise with Luke Northmore, James Lang uh, in that sort of centre, uh, outside centre position. But even guys like, I remember when I first went in, I spoke to Danny Kerr a lot, Mike Brown, and just listening to the experience and sort of ha- how it was for them was sort of really refreshing, knowing that everyone was going through what sort of w- we went through. And obviously it was a bit more difficult in that we couldn't go on loan. So so sometimes training was a, a bit bit like harder. We wouldn't be fully training with the squad all the time. But no, they've definitely been sort of really helpful, especially going into um, that game v. Sale. I mean, uh, I was probably annoying a lot of them, like guys like Ben Tapawai, Joe March and Aaron Morris. Um, but no, th- those are the main guys who sort of helped me out. But everyone has been really helpful. Obviously, you named a few there. What was it like, sort of your first day having like signed the contract in the first in the senior squad, walking in, seeing the likes of Danny Kerr, Mike Brown, Joe Marler? Must have been pretty, Don Brandt, must have been pretty surreal. Yeah, oh my God. I remember it so clearly. I walked into the physio room and it, it was actually, it was James Lang in there. And I remember someone I'd looked up to from um, being in the sort of under 18s and younger. I, I remember doing some rehab and they were all joking around in there. And, and then seeing him, I was a bit like, oh, a bit shaky, a bit nervous. And I, as soon as I started talking to him, I was like, hold on, this guy's just normal. Like they're all normal blokes. They all like to have a laugh and stuff. So that, that was pretty refreshing. And he, he sort of, 
sort of really helped me sort of get get some confidence going around the place and, and was really friendly. But I, I then remember seeing Danny Kerr and it was, yeah, it, no, it was so weird. You know, when you watch those guys on, on TV for so long and you look at them, you're like, oh my God, they're real people sort of thing. It was one of those moments. Um, but likewise, they're all really friendly and, and everyone was really nice and welcoming. Any occasions of you being sort of the new kid on the block, having a few uh, jokes or being paired with you? Sorry? Any occasions of you being sort of the new kid on the block and having some jokes or practical jokes paid on you? Uh, yeah, so, um, no, there were a lot. So I, I'm quite uh, introvert, not introverted, but a, a quiet person going in. So they were sort of, some of the lads were getting into me, some of the physios, and then I, I got I got named Mini March for a little bit at the start because apparently Joe was, Joe was quite similar. But apart from that, it was all pretty good because it was, it was quite weird going in because we weren't with the squad straight away so you'd only see them walking around so they never really got to um got to know got to know us properly until later in the season so i guess that element it was a bit like looking back on it, it was frustrating because you want to get thrown straight in and train with all the guys but um but we didn't because of covid and like a pre-pre-season so it was a bit different for for my year but to be honest I didn't really get that stuck into. I mean, I guess just sort of the the big dog sort of joking around was always a bit intimidating when you you'd walk in, you'd be like, oh god, please don't don't pick on me or joke about me. You sort of freeze. But apart from that, it was all good. Obviously, we had Finn on a couple of weeks ago, but as like a group of youngsters all coming, did you sit quite close together on the early days, sort of like relying on each other for support? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Finn Finn's a great bloke. He's become one of my really good mates this year. Um, and he's an outstanding rugby player. I mean, the hands on him as a tight head and now loose head is just incredible. And I know, well, I can't really speak for scrums, but um, but no, he, he's been really good. I mean, coming through with him from the under-13s has been really sort of refreshing. And then making my debut with, I know he he played Racing in the, in the European Cup, but having him on my premiership debut there as well was, was really nice. And we sort of stuck together that whole day, sort of bricking it. The amount of anxiety was a joke, but um, coming through with him, sort of playing with him, against him at, for like, when I was at Farnham, he was at Cobham, and then sort of going into um, the whole the senior environment was really good. Then there's another guy, Will Trenholm, who I went to school with, Farnham Rugby Club, um, and, and everything like that, which, again, was really nice, sort of going through that whole journey with him. Yeah, no, that's good. That's in the sort of camaraderie, obviously, you guys... Well, then, sort of the future of the club. So it's important those relationships start early. Well, so you've you've mentioned it a couple of times now, but let's go on to so your debut. Obviously, it was against Sale, wasn't it? Yes. So yes it was. Talk us through that process. When did you find out that you were going to be involved? Yeah. So it it was a weird one because I I'd been away with the under twenties for a few weeks, um, playing Scotland, and we played Wales, um, and it was literally the day after the Wales game. I went in on the Monday, and. I heard some of the lads like Aaron Morris and some of the boys go, oh, your ski might be starting on the wing and this. And I thought everyone was joking because I never thought I'd play until I was sort of told. And then I remember doing a gym session and feeling a bit weird. And our, our S&C coach was, was being sort of weirdly nice to me. And I thought, well, there's something up. But I, don't, I, I couldn't really tell. It was the weirdest feeling. Um, so that, that went all well. And then... I remember sitting in the change room and, and Charlie Muckrow went 
Biddy, Biddy, come here. And I, I normally, as sort of a first year back, I carry the whiteboard up and down. So I, I thought he was asking me to go and get the whiteboard. So I was sort of on my way. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get the whiteboard. He went, no, 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 you're, you, 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 we, you, we're going to start you on the wing this weekend. And I sort of froze and I like looked at him and I was like, what are you? Okay. Yeah, and I, I didn't know what to say. It was it was the weirdest, coolest moment. Um but yeah, no, I just remember freezing and sort of being like just nerves kicking in, but mixed emotions everywhere. Just, no idea. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea because I hadn't been there the whole week. So maybe some of the lads had heard something. I, I mean, Finn was on a bike and he went, Oscar, I've heard you might be starting. And I was a bit like, maybe, surely not. Well, why would they do that sort of now? I haven't been in. And then because I, I'd, I'd been through a lot of my under 20 games with Nick Evans, um, and I'd been performing well, probably uh, playing my best rugby so far, which was just nice to play, to be honest, because obviously loan was scrapped and stuff like that. And um, I think on that perform on my performances there, they sort of um, wanted to give me a shot. But I, I was over the moon. I, I couldn't believe it. And then, so talk us through game day then. How like how did you start it? Because obviously, that's been a big day for you. Yeah, so we, we drove up to Manchester the night before. We were in this crazy hotel, which... Obviously, I'm not used to normally travelling on a school bus, sort of half falling apart and everything like that. So the first thing was the bus. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And then um, sort of we, we went to the hotel. That sort of evening was very chilled. I sort of just chilled with Finn, spoke to the lads. It was all very good fun. Then that day of the game was the longest day of my life. The amount of anxiety in that day. Me, I remember me and Finn just sitting there, lying, sort of lying next to each other sort of just nerves were an understatement we were so nervous but we just couldn't wait and then we went into manchester for a coffee or there's a squad which sort of just calmed everything down and, and was really nice and sort of relaxing and um so yeah and, and that was pretty much it and then from there i just chilled with uh lewis liner and and uh finn and from there we had meetings we had i had a little shirt presentation from from Nick, which was which was really nice and sort of really sort of one of those things where I couldn't really believe it was happening until he was sort of there. I was like, oh, my God. And uh, B- Billy just came up to me and, and said, look, just throw everything out there. Really enjoy it. Uh, you're there for a reason and everything. And from that, I just sort of – it almost got me sort of really up for it, but also calmed me down. And and from from there, I was like, okay, it's just a game of rugby. Let's Let's just go and just throw everything into it and see how I do and then from that we got the bus and I remember actually one of my one of my best mates family somehow got tickets there and I saw them waving at the bus and so I like waved back but it was a, like a blacked out window so so they obviously couldn't see me I was like, oh they're not seeing um then I remember walking out of the bus and the bus journey was only like 10 minutes so it felt like an hour um, walking out of the bus and suddenly a camera in my face and I was a bit like, okay, what do I do? Just just walk straight and got in and then was just sort of talking to Joe March and, and then as soon as I was in, I was I was okay. But it was it was a it was a good day, a weird day. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Talks of the game, obviously injury sort of came part of it. But how, in your personal, how was it for you? Yeah. So I, I we knew as like physical death full strength side out they're, they're the most physical team in the league so we knew physically it's going to be really confrontational uh and i mean for me i know obviously fast the arguably the best nine in the world um so i knew that week i had to just nail my high balls nail the back make sure i'm understanding the backfield well working well so i, I did a lot of that in the warm-up uh which was pretty cool 
uh, just just there in the stadium, biggest crowd of obviously played in front of apart from at Roslyn Park, which is pretty weird. Um, but I, I just remember running out, and obviously they're all chanting for sale, but thinking just getting such a buzz off it because it's the loudest noise I've ever sort of run out to. And then I remember sale, sale coming out, and and McGuigan sort of just just staring at me like sort of like like hitting himself or whatever and i was a bit like oh god oh god here we go this is i was just trying not to look at him because i was so nervous but um yeah as soon as the whistle went i sort of blocked out the noise and the the, the game's a game and just sort of got on with it i mean from what i've read and what i saw it was a pretty good game for myself i think most people would reciprocate that to be honest yeah i mean i i knew defensively it'd be massive and given that that's been a massive work on for me and, and we didn't have any ball so it that 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 was real way I could show myself particularly on a wing it, it would be easy for me to sort of step away and and not sort of make my tackle well not be needed in tackles and stuff like that but I, I was just so sort of excited to get involved I, I just wanted to to just help the team in any way and and see if I could hit someone or, or obviously legally <laughs> with, with the book with the with the ball and everything because i think on a defensive side that that's almost at the time against sort of the most physical side i knew it had to be there because if it's not they're gonna they're gonna go all over us i mean i i prefer to attack i'd like to be sort of quite quite well rounded with my kicking passing so a few times in attack i would sort of me and March would swap around ju just from how it kicks and how it goes back. And I've been at 13, but unfortunately the ball never came. So um, defensively, I knew I had to had to be on it. Um, and I remember one of my biggest memories was Faf through this most outrageous mispass. And I was like sort of in the backfield. And I remember looking up and I thought it was Rob Dupree, so the 10 slash 12. And I was thinking, right, this is where... I, I need to step up here and try and sort of hit him pretty hard, get him into touch or whatever. And I remember looking up thinking that's the biggest 10 or 12 I've ever seen in my life. And then, then I hit him, I lifted him up a bit and he went back. And then I, I looked down again and I realized it was Dan Dupree. And I was thinking, Oh my God, I've just done that to the eight. Cause I was thinking if, if I knew I'd have just chopped him straight away, uh, but I tried to properly slow the ball down. So I think that was a big moment for me where, where I knew, like, like I, I felt more comfortable and more confident, uh, sort of in the game. Thinking, I built up in my head so much that it was going to be impossible. They're going to bounce me. It's going to be really hard as a, as a small winger. Um, and I just wanted to show that I was physical uh, and that I, I could deal with it, which I, I think I could. Um, so from that moment and from at the start, I remember McGuigan um, getting the ball. And he sort of stepped into me and I almost slipped. Um, but I, I sort of got square, then I then I hit the ruck and they had pen advantage. So they ended up getting the pen. But from there I was just just really confident and desperate to sort of get involved and and get get help in the team. Then afterwards, was there any sort of initiation or anything for you after your first cap? No. So I, I obviously I, I went off after hitting the yeah. the Rob Dupree. No, no, no. The Jean Luc Dupree, who obviously got me back for hitting his brother. Yeah. Um, and I, I've done. I did my ankle. So I sort of got on the bus and. Well, actually, no. I'll go before that. So I went in and they checked my Achilles and stuff. And the first thing they said is my Achilles was still intact. So I was like, "Yes, I'm okay. I'm going to be fine." 
which I wasn't, of course. Um, but so I went back out and then I was told I had to be drug tested because they do it randomly. So all the wings had to be drug tested. Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking, oh, this is a pain. I, I literally can't stand on what, like, I can't stand <laughs> at the moment. So I was trying to sort of do a wee in a, in a pot as you do everything. And it was the most difficult thing ever. And the physios wanted to see me, but they had to see me because of all the timings and stuff. So I actually missed this sort of end of, game speech and and whatever and then i was putting this boot and then my ankle started to kick in with a lot of pain the adrenaline would sort of go off and i went on the bus and um yeah it was a long journey home um especially how we'd stop off and i wouldn't be able to go out with the boys to to the services to get anything so yeah it was a long journey home back to the stoop <clears throat> and then obviously i couldn't drive so i had to leave my car at the stoop Luckily, Finn took me back to the ACAD house, so we stayed at the ACAD house that night, and yeah, we got back very late at like four in the morning, and my ankle was in a lot of pain. Fair enough. Right, so before we move on to sort of the big day, I just want to touch on something you, you said, which as it sort of links it. You talked about, you went, <clears throat> day before the game, you all went for a coffee in Manchester. Obviously, Harlequins last season had quite a up and down with the management and everything. Does that sort of represent... As Joe Marler touched on after the final, sort of the togetherness of the group that you, you try to implement by the end of it. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Like the the togetherness of of the group and sort of the relationships between all the boys was huge. <coughs> oh, sorry. No worries. And um, yeah, well, that was going for a truck. Um, but you know, it was huge between the boys and the relationships sort of everyone. Not not leaving anyone out. So sort of me, me and Finn being the youngest guys, we were treated like everyone else was and sort of wanting to get to know each other and um that relationship off the field went through the roof and on our on our socials or what we could do as socials because of covid was huge sort of getting to know each other and, and you could really see it sort of the culture of the club and the togetherness of everyone everyone was just enjoying what they're doing off and on the pitch and I, I definitely think that was massive towards winning the premiership as a squad after everything that happened sort of what were the things identified as a squad <laughs> that you guys wanted to do uh, what, as as in in the final, or just as, in, as throughout the season? Obviously, you had the management shake up and everything. Oh yeah, so from that, I don't think we were expecting to do as well as, well as we were in the next few months. So we just said, let's all just stick together, work for each other, and um, yeah, that that's pretty much what we did, and went from there and just took every game as it came, and and sort of just go from there and. That that's basically what we did, and we we didn't overcomplicate it. We kept it simple and and worked for each other, and to, and before we knew it, we were sort of in a final, and sort of emotionally were there together, and went from there. Yeah. So obviously, right, the final talk us through. Uh, obviously, your role as a non-playing, obviously someone like Finn, I saw he was carrying the water in the day, but as someone who was completely not involved, as far as I'm aware, what was your sort of talk us through your day? Yeah. So I arrived at the stoop before the game. And the first thing was just, just seeing all the players' nerves kicking in and everything. But the walk for me on crutches from the stoop to yeah. Twickenham was the longest walk ever. But the atmosphere—oh, <clears throat> sorry—the atmosphere from all of the fans was just ridiculous. Like the chanting, the cheering for the whole squad as we walked over was awesome. And then I remember getting in there, and the extra lot came in and sort of started chanting, and then we were chanting at them and and, and whatnot. And it was just sort of awesome. And then game on and. Obviously, we were there all sitting together and it kicked off and it was what it was and it was a brilliant game of rugby. Whose idea was it, the walk from the stoop to Wickham? So, bloody genius. Um, well, we were always going to do it. 
I think I think it was just ahead of operations. Like we're one squad. It's been such a squad effort given everything that's gone on. Um, yeah, I, I think it was always going to happen. I think that's what that demonstrated. That's what no one needs anymore. Having seen how, what you guys have done this season, that's what demonstrated the whole how much togetherness there is within your squad of the group. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and that's on a. Well, sorry, I don't know, lovely. Uh, and that's on a coach's perspective as well. Just sort of the relationship with players and and everything sort of going forward was huge. Yeah, no, definitely. And then obviously, what in the week leading up? What was your obviously your crutch and stuff? Was there anything that you sort of did towards the final, towards the effort? Or did you just um, to, to be honest, I, not really, because I was sort of rehabbing. Yeah. So I would <clears throat> be in at completely different times. Um, to the lads, which was really frustrating because obviously I wanted to be a part of that week um, going into it. But um, they did do a video from all the families and everything for the <clears throat> match day squad, which was huge. And it was really nice <laughs> to see all of that. Sorry, I honestly don't know what's happening. Yeah, is that all right if I quickly do that? Sorry, that's so... So obviously the final happened. It was... I mean, you were there, you are in the stands, one of the best games rugby I've seen this season, if not in the last five, ten years, Premiership Rugby. What was it like being in the stadium? Uh, it was electric. The noise was just incredible, given the amount of fans actually allowed in. And we all thought from that semi-final, it wasn't going to be anywhere near the ge- <coughs> Anywhere near sort of the... Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. This is- Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, from the semi-final, we we didn't think it was going to be anything near that, and it and it was, and we were just like, this is ridiculous, particularly from Jack Noel scoring right at the end. Just the amount of points in that game, I remember sort of they were winning by like five, and we were like, oh no, and then March goes in the corner, and we we're like, this is ridiculous, and then everyone's just going mental at that final try. But it was yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, no, it was nuts. What were your thoughts when you sort of just let that kickoff landed? Extra got it, and they sort of ran it straight in. What were your thoughts from the side? We were like, "Oh God, here we go!" We we're like, "No, no, no!" Just everyone panicking, and then as soon as we had the ball, we we're like, "Slow it down, slow it down, slow it down," and just go from there. I mean, the final sort of reciprocated the type of red brand of rugby Harlequins and Wanderers. But if you look at the semi-finals, where you guys were kind of not down and out, but very much on the back foot, sort of. Talk us through how you guys wanted to play, play the attack in rugby. Like, was that always something you, you thought flary almost? Um, yeah, look, Quinns have always had that in their DNA. They're just sort of attacking rugby, heads up rugby. And, and just skillfully, I think all the players were there from, from that semi final, sort of going forward, just play, <clears throat> play the space and counter attack, be a counter attacking team. And I think we just wanted to stay true to ourselves. We didn't want to change anything. We didn't want to be like a Saris or Exeter. And I remember, uh, I don't know who said it, I think it was Joe said it, like, we, we, we did it and we did it our way. We didn't do it any other way. And I think that was that was huge for everyone, showing that <clears throat> you can win a premiership, not like Saris and Exeter, who have been dominant for the last five, ten years, which has been huge. So I'd say that was pretty much it. And obviously, as we touched on, squad camaraderie, but obviously you had quite a few players who 
this would have been the final game or was the final game. How much was it that you wanted to put the team wanted to lay down a performance for them? Obviously, Brown was leading off that and a few others. Brown obviously wasn't allowed to play. That's a whole different matter. But um, Yeah, I think emotionally, just everyone was there <clears throat> wanting to do it for sort of all the players and and, ev and everything, even, even the staff. Like, Mike Brown's been a huge part of the club and going forward, I'm sure he'll still be really close with the club. And <clears throat> I think that just made the day even more special, sort of going into it and wanting to do it for those individuals that have been so big for the for the club. And, I mean, it's been dug by some as DJ Marla final just because of how good his performance was. What, like, there's so many words you could use to describe him, but if you add in a few words, how would you? Oh, that's hard. Um... Uh, extremely hardworking. I think he <clears throat> works almost harder than anyone else, sort of on and off the pitch. I mean, he's in his physical conditions like exceptional. Um, and then, <clears throat> obviously, he's got his personality to go with it. He's been he's hilarious. He's really nice to all our, us young lads, and sort of w watching how he goes about his business, sort of at the club, and looks after himself is huge. So I think he's he's really resilient. Given um, sort of the surgeries and, and everything he's been through, but as well as that, I mean, how mobile he is and, and skillful he is, sort of at the non sort of obvious things like the non set piece stuff and around the park and his fitness has been like it's awesome. I know that's, that's way more than three words, but yeah. honestly, I, I I wouldn't know what to say, but just because of how good he's been this year. And from your perspective, just how good was he in that final? I mean, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, particularly as a prop, having played, he played 94 minutes a week before. He'd just had a baby. It would be very easy for him to say, look, I can't be there. So it just showed his sort of passion for the club and for the boys. Um, and then I think just sort of around the pitch, sort of he led by example, just, just physically and his work rate in defence was huge and a massive factor for us sort of winning it. <clears throat> but yeah, I think as well as that, I think everyone was pretty exceptional, but just to have someone like him leading from the front with his experience was just unreal. And go on then, I'm sure most of our listeners are waiting for this, but the post-match socials, what happened after? <laughs> so so we all head back to the stoop um, with, with like family and friends and... <clears throat> some speeches went on and they brought the cup over and a lot of the players all came over still full kit which was hilarious and and it basically had a bit of a bit of a party outdoors obviously covid rules and everything um and yeah that that, that was pretty much it and then a few of the lads and just the lads we sort of went out to a pub afterwards and um yeah just celebrated into the night and then had the social the next day which was all, all good fun, yeah. Any stories from the social? Um, Without letting anyone down too badly? Not not really. I, th I think one of the, the big ones was a lot of the boys got their texts. <clears throat> well, the England boys got their texts for England on the social. So, obviously, Jack Kenningham, who's had an exceptional season, who's been absolutely awesome and fully deserves it. So, so, someone like him, who hasn't sort of been in the mix for the first two years or even TR to go where he's come from has been awesome 
uh, and he, he like he's been been outstanding and it'd be particularly with Webb going out he's been outstanding um also just just being there when <clears throat> he sort of got the text and everyone going yes Kenneth sort of get in and um celebrating with him and for him was was really nice to see but he got um yeah no he he was nervous but he he did he did really well and I'm I'm sure he's loving it and fully deserved but apart from that there there wasn't too much to to say or that I think I'm allowed to say so allowed to say I think I was pretty yeah particularly as a first yeah I don't know that no, was good it wasn't was it just the <clears throat> one day social wasn't quite like dudes oh, what? no no yeah no it was definitely more than one day I mean a lot of the lads, I mean, I think the more playing squad and, and the big dogs went on for at least four or five days after. And <laughs> I was sort of just, just going at it with the cup and everything. As you would, as you would, very deserved. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Oscar, thanks so much for giving up your evening. I mean, it's, it's taken a while, but we've got them yeah. quite a coughing fit. A couple I'm so sorry, honestly. Um, no, don't worry about it. And sadly, for the more observant and keen listeners, you know, Matt's not here, but sadly he's been drawn away in the US, so it's just me tonight. Um, but just before we finish, obviously, Davey's going to be up there. Prem finals okay. up there. Are there any other standout moments, like your favourite moments of rugby in your career, or that you sort of stick closely in your memory? Um, obviously, the debut's huge. Yeah. Um, I think my England sort of, I know it wasn't officially capped, but <clears throat> playing for England under-20s with Scotland and Wales is massive for me. And just sort of having the games I had, I, I, I felt it sort of it just made me sort of really confident going into Quinns and sort of being able to be myself and, and play my own game. I, th- I think that was probably stands out for me. Um, but yeah, I'd say those are moments in my whole career. <clears throat> Obviously playing for your first team at school and England under 18 is huge as well. But I, I think just genuinely just being part of something like the whole squad winning winning the Prem has been massive and getting to know sort of some of my childhood heroes has been huge. Awesome. Well, cheers, buddy, for giving up your evening. And thanks, everyone else, for tuning. We're back again next week with our Lions preview with someone who's been on a tour. So that's quite exciting for us. He's a returner as well, so you might recognise if you head back to Series 1. But he'll get some very interesting views from his time in 2005. So tune back in then. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much, Freddie. Thanks, guys. listening to the tap and go podcast i'm guy thompson and i'm a loose heads ambassador the mental health movement normalizing the conversation in rugby head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15 percent off at the checkout now with code tap and go take care sports social podcast network with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.